All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Falcon Central Radio's Matt Carolee, and he's going to be talking with us about the induction of Tony Gonzalez and also giving his thoughts on last week's Hall of Fame game against the Denver Broncos. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at FalFans.com, on Twitter at FalFans, and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Today I am joined by the co-host of Falcons Central Radio, Matt Carolee. I tried to get his co-host on the show. I kind of like his co-host a little bit better than Matt, but uh, unfortunately (laughs) that guy has a little bit too much of an ego to come on this Locked on Falcons podcast. But you can catch Matt on the Falcons Central Radio weekly on Tuesday nights on YouTube and various other platforms. But uh, welcome back to the show, Matt. Yeah, man, it feels good to be back. Feels feels like the old days before, you know, me and, and that other co-host that you alluded to started doing uh, Falcon Central Radio. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to be back. Uh, recap what was for me personally a very fun weekend, you know, being there uh, for the Hall of Fame game and, and the induction ceremony. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I wanted to have somebody on that was actually there um, and could give sort of a firsthand account of sort of, you know, the whole shebang, I guess. So let's jump right into the, the Tony Gonzalez thing, talking about his Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony. Uh, you know, I didn't watch it on television. I just, I just recorded it because I was like, this is four hours of, I, you know, I can go back and watch this at my leisure, but I have some other time to do. But I did go back and, and watch his speech in particular Sunday morning. Um, and uh, I'm just curious, sort of, what was your thoughts on the in, entire spectacle of, of seeing all those greats and and then ultimately sort of seeing Tony Gonzalez getting tried and and knowing that other Falcons uh, like Matt Ryan and, and others were in the crowd watching it all. Yeah, I mean, I think to start, you know, I would encourage anyone, any football fan out there, uh, it's definitely a landmark. It's definitely something that everyone who, who's a fan of the game should put on their bucket list. I mean, just an incredible environment. It, it kind of reminded me of of you know what the NFL draft setting was like when I when I went to the draft in 2017 in Philly. You know, similar type of atmosphere, similar type of party setting where they had all these tents set up and you know music's going and there's activities and then obviously you know there's the museum um, and then you know it, it kind of is it's that's sort of the main event to you know what is at times you know with the game anyways is kind of secondary but then you know obviously the induction you know the coup de gras to to finish the weekend but yeah it was awesome you know I, I guess my only negative to say is it, it, it does drag on I mean I stayed in my seat the entire Saturday for the ceremony and it started at seven promptly but you know when Tony got on the mic it was 11 o'clock and you know I had expected it to be over by then but um other than that I mean great great day um you know, hearing these guys' stories, where they came from, how they got to be where they're at today in this moment, there wasn't, for me personally, I mean, I started tearing up at times with some of these speeches. I mean, Kevin Mawise, I thought, was incredible, um, just top to bottom. I mean, you know, how he, you know, went through his whole family, you know, acknowledged his teammates, you know, brought up his wife and, you know, how he made the comment that, you know, if there was a Hall of Fame wife, uh, to select from, you know, he, he's, he thinks he believes that she would be right there in that category. So, you know, from his speech to, you know, guys like Ed Reed, who 
you know, being that Ed Reed came in the league in 2002, I mean, that's kind of when I started having, you know, fond memories and starting to really understand and, and you know, watch the game closely. To suit. So to be able to see a guy and hear a guy like that speech um, after watching the entirety of his career, I mean, I thought that was that was cool. But yeah, I mean, Tony Gonzalez, obviously, um, you know, finished in the night. You know, I thought his speech was awesome, how he, you know, I didn't realize kind of his story growing up as a kid, how he was bullied, um, you know, in his adolescence and didn't have a lot of friends. And, you know, the turning point of him overcoming that fear uh, of his bully and, and kind of relating it to, you know, the everyday man who I'm sure everyone has, has dealt with that at some point in their lives um, was neat. So hearing that story, learning a little bit more about him and then, you know, obviously, you know, him bringing up his connection with the Falcons was cool to see, um, you know, him giving Matt, Matt Ryan props, which, you know, the fan base, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, appreciates given how underrated and how under, underappreciated he is at times. So hearing an all-time great like Tony Gonzalez, the, you know, the best at his position, uh, giving props to the Falcons quarterback was kind of the cherry on top of the whole day. But, yeah, just, just an incredible weekend. Um, you know, like I said, if you have an opportunity to go, definitely do it because it's well worth the time uh and money yeah he also gave a shout out to uh roddy white as well talking about yep. how you know yeah he he he, he hopes that one day roddy will be able to get in shrining in canton in the future and whatnot uh you know uh my personal take on that is that you know i'm skeptical of, of, sort yeah, of whether or not roddy white has great chances to do so but certainly wouldn't complain about it if it if it did wind up happening but i do think matt ryan is, is probably a guy that I think we both agree is likely destined to be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Uh, and I think to that to that point, just you know, not to cut you off, but I think another cool part about some of the guys' speeches was they gave credit to um, the Hall of Fame writers that kind of pounded the table for them. I know Ty Law, I forget who he who he had said if he even mentioned their name, but um, you know, when when I heard something like that, it got me thinking about a guy like Matt Ryan. And who's going to be that writer that perhaps pounds the table for him? Because I'm sure, you know, right now, if his career ended, I don't it, I don't anticipate him being first ballot. So he's going to go through, I think, the ballot a few times, depending on what happens here. But, you know, it got me thinking about that. And, and some of the other guys acknowledged, you know, those writers. So I thought that was pretty neat to hear because, I mean, that's that's the truth of the matter. I mean, not all of these guys like, are like Tony Gonzalez and are just slam dunk picks. Some of them need guys championing them. You know, they need writers championing them. Uh, to get to this point. So I thought that was an interesting takeaway too as well. And it got me thinking like, who's going to be that guy for Matt Ryan? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always sort of thinking about sort of what it's going to be like with the hall of fame voting process by the time Matt Ryan's career is over. And one of the points I've made, I think previously on this podcast is essentially, you know, the entirety of Matt Ryan's career will have been played out in the quote unquote pro football focus era of sort of analytics and whatnot. And so I wonder um, you know, at that point, will it sort of just kind of be, you know, by the 2030s or whenever I'm expecting Matt Ryan to first be eligible for the Hall of Fame? Um, you know, it, will it be similar to baseball where it's just like, hey, look at these numbers. Matt Ryan was a top five quarterback for, you know, eight out of 12 years in his prime and did this and did that. And it's just sort of a slam dunk sort of thing. Or is, is it always going to be some sort of nuance to uh sort of the hall of fame when it comes to football uh you know i think relative to like sports like baseball there always is going to be a little bit more of that sort of subjectivity to it but i do wonder sort of you know 15 years from now 
sort of what the process is going to be and, and whether or not you really are necessarily going to need a writer to sort of have to pound the table for you just simply because it's like, look, this is what, you know, pro football focus over the last 20 years of pro football focus data, Matt Ryan was like the third best or fourth best quarterback of that era. And so therefore he deserves to be in the hall of fame or something like that. So that's something I, I sort of think about, but you know, sitting here in 2019 have no idea what the answer will wind up being. Yeah. I think it'll certainly help. I mean, the more information, the better. And so I think it, you know, it will favor Matt Ryan because of the fact that we're in the analytical period. And, and again, there's more resources to, to, to point to, to support his case. So yeah, I, I totally agree that that, that is potentially, you know, a, a benefit for him rather than, you know, guys like, you know, what we saw on Saturday didn't necessarily have that in their favor and just needed guys to maybe, you know, use the eye test. Or I think with Ty Law, they, they brought up the fact that he kind of, you know, they had to change the rules as far as how uh, cornerbacks can defend these wide receivers. Ty Law was so physical at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, that having that, um, you know, kind of on his resume, I think was something that you can point to and not necessarily a tangible thing, maybe, um, you know, like numbers, but, you know, certainly something that, that can support a player being, you know, one of the greats. So I think, yeah, with Matt Ryan having, you know, being again in the analytical period, um, that type of thing will certainly help him going forward. Yeah. So we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the Hall of Fame game itself with Matt. But uh, before we get there, I want to let all the fantasy football players out there know that you guys should make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years of covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff from everyone else. Get the edge with Vinny and he will put you ahead on draft day as well as put you ahead all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football Podcast can be found on your favorite podcast provider, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So today's episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text five star to eight seven zero 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 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with five star painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business. With five star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a five-star painting owner, you'll also be a part of the greater Neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. As a podcast host, I myself am very familiar with the freedom that comes from running your own business, and I can assure you that there is no better feeling than being your own boss. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text 5STAR to 87000. To learn more about how Five Star Painting Franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text F I V E S T A R to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And I thank them for sponsoring this podcast. 
So Matt, I'm curious to sort of get your thoughts on the Hall of Fame game itself. It, you know, it, Dan Quinn has sort of been calling it Game Zero, an opportunity for some of these young guys to, you know, get a lot of playing time early on and basically get an extra game and not have to wait to the that in the Falcons' case, the fifth, but usually that final preseason game to sort of make their last bid. And this was a good way for them to maybe make a, a first, a, a good solid first impression. So I'm sort of curious you know, which players in your eyes were able to accomplish that last Thursday? Yeah, I think I'll start first on offense. Um, you know, it obviously wasn't a pretty game, low scoring, you know, it ended up being 14 to 10 and, and the game winning touchdown came on, you know, the penultimate drive. So there wasn't a lot of offense, but I think a guy, Brian Hill, clearly demonstrated that, you know, he, he he's pushing and, and he's calling for one of those final running back spots. And, and he's a guy that's always, you know, ran with purpose, ran with aggression, and, and we saw that on Thursday. Uh, I think, you know, if there's any one particular run that, um, you know, personified that was the one that he was, you know, kind of incorrectly called for, you know, an unnecessary roughness where, you know, both the defender and him lowered their shoulder. And, you know, yeah, there was somewhat to helmet contact, but, you know, guys like Tony Dungy and, uh, you know, Mike Pereira, I think it was, um commentating saying that it, it probably should have went on the defense rather than Hill so you know him he finished with 11 carries 57 yards and had a receiving touchdown definitely helped his cause a guy that again is you know getting a lot of hype um you know even leading up to that in practice has really you know in the offseason the reports were that he you know he slimmed down he's looked looked fit looked you know again like a guy that's um, you know, playing with a purpose. And he's a guy, you know, I'm going to continue to monitor a guy I've been pounding the table for that I think, you know, even if he's not going to be a contributor, I think he's a he's a smart stash play for the Falcons uh, to be that fourth running back because, you know, with Quadri Allison being a draft pick this year, he's all but guaranteed a spot. So really Hill would have to slide on in that fourth role. So he's a guy who definitely helped his case on Thursday. Um, you know, one of the few guys on offense, Ben Kirk was another one, uh, it's a shame that it looks like he might be put on the shelf uh, for the season with a toe injury um, or a foot injury. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll hear, um, you know, word later this week uh, whether it, it's a season ender or he's just going to be out for a while. But but all in, uh, in all likelihood, it looks like he's going to be out for the season. Uh, but he was a guy, again, who showed some promise uh, carrying forward from, you know, his somewhat impressive uh, preseason uh, last year, I mean, he he didn't finish strong, but he certainly had his moments um, that you know led the coaching staff to believe that he should um, you know be held on the practice squad. And you know, who knows if if he would have stayed healthy and and could have put together a few more performances, he really could have challenged Matt Schaub for that backup quarterback role. But now that'll likely have to be put on hold for 2020. But I mean, it's still promising, and hopefully, he just uh, recovers and and rebounds uh, for 2020. Um, as far as the defense goes, uh, there weren't many guys I want to highlight. There were three defensive linemen that at first glance, you know, when I was there live, I didn't think they played all that well. Um, but Deidre Sinat, Chris Odom, and Justin Zimmer all earned, you know, high marks for pro football focus. And so I went back and looked and, and yeah, they quietly did some good things, you know, controlled their blockers at times, which is something Deidre Sinat, uh, I think, doesn't get enough credit for. I mean, it, very rarely do you see him get pushed back on the line of scrimmage or get manhandled. He's always kind of in control up there. Maybe he doesn't make the splashy plays, but, you know, from that nose tackle position, that's not really uh, their role. Now, I, I will say 
uh, Dejan was more in the three tech position um, with Justin Zimmer being the, the one tech on Thursday. So that's something to monitor moving forward. Maybe Dan Quinn's just experimenting with some stuff, or maybe that's their role moving forward. It, you know, it, it is a little surprising because you would have thought, again, Justin Zimmer's the more athletic guy, had you know eye popping numbers in his pro day testing. Uh, it makes more sense for him to be the three tech, but again, maybe Dan Quinn's just experimenting. But I thought all three of those guys did some good things. Um, and again, if they keep up that play, um, that just further enhances the depth of the Falcons defense line. And, and before I, you know, we move on, I, I should also mention John Kaminsky, I thought was awesome. He was one of the standout guys uh, of the night, had five tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss and, and a fumble recovery on special teams, which, you know, I think the special teams play is his, re- is his real edge and calling card that, you know, will get him on the field sooner rather than later. So again, you know, very surprised to see him coming along as quickly as he did. You know, I'm curious how much of the home hometown uh, vibe, you know, p- played a part in that, being that he's a, a Barbertown native and, and that's just 10 minutes up the road from Canton. I'm sure that did add a little extra juice in his game. But, I mean, if he keeps this up, uh, he's a guy that, again, is going to be rotating in probably with Alan Bailey at that strong side defensive end role. So that just makes the Falcons' defensive line stronger. So I thought, you know, my main takeaways on defense was there's some guys – you know, behind the starters on the defensive line that showed some good stuff that, again, um, is a good sign moving forward for the Falcons defensive line, which is a major storyline uh, heading into the 2019 season. Okay, and we'll come back and get more of Matt's thoughts and maybe some players that didn't necessarily impress him coming up in just a bit. But uh, before we get there, I want to let you guys know that the new Locked On NFL podcast is on fire right now. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows out there with expert analysis of former NFL scout Mount Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're talking about sort of you sort of gave us your thoughts on some players that stood out, uh, maybe raised their stock, uh, enhanced their chances of making the roster. Were there anybody that came out of that game being like, you know, this was not the best foot forward that you could have made uh, in this game? You did not necessarily take advantage of this sort of unique opportunity in this sort of initial uh, game. You know, the first two, uh, you know, I'll start with, with two draft picks that, again, have great opportunities um, are Quadra Olsen and Marcus Green. Start with Green first. You know, obviously the, the punt return, kick return battle is up in the air. Uh, you know, Marcus Green is the guy that the team obviously wants to be the guy in that role. Um, you know, he had one decent return that I thought um, just a split second off from maybe hitting the crease and, and, and breaking off a big one. But other than that, uh, you know, obviously he had the, the muff punt that stood out. You know, there's about five to seven yards of separation in front of him. You know, he just took his eyes off the ball and, and missed it and it ended up being, you know, a negative five or so yard return. Um, and then in the offensive game, I, I was hoping to see him get featured a little bit. We haven't heard much out of training camp about him in the offense. So as of now, it, it doesn't look like he's going to have much of a role there this season. Um, so really it's the punt return and kick return battle that is his major role in 2019. And, and, you know, he didn't get off to a good start with that. So I was a little disappointed there. Um, as for Allison, you know, maybe he was overshadowed a bit by Hill and it's not like he had a terrible game, but, you know, he had the same type of blocking 
uh, or blockers, I should say, up front as Hill did, and, and Hill was able to make something out of it. Uh, so I don't necessarily buy that the blocking um, was the downfall. Um, again, he's a rookie, so he's there's a learning curve involved. But you know, for a guy that was drafted to be that number three guy to be that closer, uh, you expected a little bit more from from his debut performance. He also you know, had a drop out of the backfield, which which is concerning because, again, it just speaks to, you know, the lack of versatility at this point in his career. Uh, he's purely just, you know, a runner, uh, you know, a goal line guy maybe. Um, so he's got to work on, on the pass game. And then, you know, he, he did have one blunder in pass protection, which, again, uh, is, is the quickest way for, for a rookie running back to get benches. If you can't protect the quarterback, uh, you're not going to see the field. So I, I was disappointed in those two draft picks. Uh, a couple other guys, I mean, the obvious one, Matt Schaub, didn't have a great performance. You know, a lot of it, I, I would place the blocking on that. You know, Sean Harlow was another one, and, and, and he contributed to a lot of, you know, Matt Schaub being under duress for, for most of his series. Uh, it was surprising to see Sean Harlow uh, in the game as early as it was, but I guess, you know, considering that they weren't playing any starters, they, they were going to put the left guard battle on hold to at least the second preseason game. So Sean Harlow got to start at left guard. And, you know, it was a major disappointment. And it looks like uh, his clock is is certainly ticking and he might find himself off the team once again um, come September. Any other thoughts, perhaps on, on this week's upcoming game against the Dolphins? Uh, I'm assuming you're expecting to see a lot more of the Falcons starters this week. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see at least, you know, one series from the starting unit, maybe uh, some of the other guys. Uh, that they want to see a little bit longer look maybe we'll see a second series or so but uh, you know I would treat this second preseason game as the first one like you mentioned at the top of the show the first preseason game was game zero and now this this should be the first preseason game which you know again we don't see much of the starters we'll see maybe one drive and that's about it Um, you know a couple other points as far as you know in general from the offense and defense I did like the heavy use of play action that we saw on Thursday and you know, I don't know how much they're showing or how much their cutters, you know, trying to reveal. But, you know, based on the eye test, it looked to be 40 to 50 percent of the time they were using play action, which, again, that, that's a good sign. I mean, uh, Falcons have been uh, pretty lethal in play action in general. The NFL as a whole uh, is better in the play action. So to see that is encouraging. And, and that's something I'm going to look for moving forward to see if, you know, again, that's going to be a staple. And hopefully it is. Um one of the things I didn't like, and again, I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to show as far as their hand goes, but some of the screen concepts <laughs> uh, gave some pretty bad deja vu from from the first cutter stint. So, you know, I'm hoping again they're just in that instance it's they're just trying to be vanilla and again not tip their hand too much. But uh, that was something I didn't like. Uh, and then moving on to the defense, you know, again this whole five-two or three-four, whatever you want to call it, type front. Looks like it's here to stay. It looks like it might be the new base defense. Um, so again, that's something to watch out for as far as as they slowly incorporate some of the starters in there throughout the preseason. Um, how that looks, uh, that's something exciting. And then they also kind of toyed with with a big nickel defense with three safeties, which we did hear was being uh, used in practice, and and obviously that carried over to the first preseason game. So those are a couple things uh, that I think the fans should continue to look for uh, throughout the preseason. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on and joining your sort of firsthand 
experience and observation of, of not only uh, last week's game, but also sort of the Hall of Fame festivities. And certainly, I you know, I have not been to Canton, but certainly from, uh, you know, following you on Twitter and, and, and hearing some of your thoughts on that, that is something that I do want to make a priority of, of doing um, at some point in the near future. And so, yeah, I'll make a note of that. And, uh, you know, for the uh, people that do want to follow you on Twitter, uh, where can they as well as go ahead and plug, you know, that other podcast that you do um, right here? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Matt Carley, M-A-T-T-K-A-R-O-L-Y. And you know, as Aaron um, pointed out, uh, you know, I do a show every Tuesday night uh, on YouTube, Falcon Central Radio. Um I guess I should maybe uh, give the viewers a little bit of a heads up this week uh, due to a scheduling conflict that the show will be on Wednesdays, uh, a Wednesday this week. But, um, you know, throughout the season going forward, it, it'll be Tuesday at 8, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern time live. And then you know, also some of my written content, you know, I don't write as often as I used to, but uh, you can catch some of that at riseupreader.com. You know, I did promise the fans I, I will have, you know, an article uh, this month, sometime I'm just waiting for that Julio Jones contract to hit, uh, which which I do expect sometime this month. And then I'm gonna kind of look into the future a little bit and see how you know Atlanta can now continue to keep their core and continue to keep that Super win- uh, Super Bowl window open and get all these contracts uh, under the cap. So that's something uh, to look forward to sometime later this month at RiseUpReader.com. Okay, we'll check that out when it comes out. And uh, yeah, man, I really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. We just don't get that many opportunities to have these conversations about the Falcons. That no, we don't, anymore. man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks again. All right, man. No worries. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good night. Okay, guys. That's Matt Carley. Check him out on Falcon Central Radio. Which you can find on YouTube, profootballcentral.com, Falcons PFC on Twitter. Again, you know other co-host on that show is very good at his job i think you guys should definitely check him out i think he's on twitter what's his twitter handle i think it's uh Falc fans or something like that so yeah check that guy out he's also good uh the back and forth between him and matt on uh, falcon central radio go check that out so uh there you have it guys we'll be back tomorrow with a uh crossover preview of thursday's Action against the Miami Dolphins. We'll be joined by the host of Locked On Dolphins, uh, Travis Wingfield, for that episode. And then probably the day after that, we can do a, probably a Q&A. So if you have any questions, send those in to Locked On Falcons on Twitter, Locked On Falcons on Facebook, or Locked On Falcons at mail.com as the email address. And, of course, you know where to find me um, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify with the Locked On Falcons podcast. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Falcons, and I'll be right there with you for the drive. Until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.